Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. And welcome to The Old World. Hi, my name is Christopher Sutt, and I'd like to introduce every other member of this podcast. Sound off. Where do we start with? We have two Christophers, right? Yep. That we might have to rename you because I'm the better one. You are. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know technical stuff and the lore, and I just talk shit. I do. Yeah, I talk a lot. Man, I do not can't read a lot. And then we have our eminent guest who now lives in England for some reason. Hello, who... I am Niklas. You might have heard my bitter voice in another podcast, the Tongzis Red podcast. And now I'm joining up in this podcast as well to talk some old world. Because the old world lives, and not only in our hearts, we also have Slanish Feed Extraordinaire and Goblin Razor on the down low. Hello, I'm Jimmy Hendrickson, and the, this is my first podcast, so yay! Welcome. We have two senior members who do podcasts on regular, and then we have me and Jimmy. Jimmy is also a lore expert who's played the game probably, I want to say, the most out of all of us. He plays it regularly after all, and he can build terrain. I do well, envy you. Well, I don't. I pay people to bail my terrain. If I can do Ooh. that. As long as you have a nice fucking terrain, I don't care from where it flows. <laughs> yeah, it's like the spice, right? I mean, I agree. If I play on terrain, I'm going to be like, <laughs> what, you paid someone for this? I'm going to be like, shit, yeah, you paid someone for this. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what money is supposed to be used for. Terrain. I agree. Terrain is half the game, terrain. after all. That's true. Terrain of Castamere. So, anyway, we've all gathered here today to start up our first episode of the podcast to talk about all things the old world, which is, for those who are joining us who have no idea what that is, the old system for Warhammer Fancy Battles before Games Workshop revamped it way back in 2014 to the Age of Sigmar. So we're gathering here today to talk about all things old world and the reason we have for starting it up and why we still play it. Exactly. So uh, where should we start? We start just uh, talking about our love for the old world and why we started. Maybe. I think so. Well, you want to start off, Nicholas? Uh, sure. So um, I've always been mostly like a warmer 40,000 guy, but I've always I actually started with warmer fantasy when I was like really young, but then never really played it. But I've always, I was always into lore because the, the fantasy world they built, it's just so fucking amazing and so expanded upon because it's been going on for so long. There's just so many stories. They get bunched up. Like the novels go back, way back. There's some really old ones. And uh, yeah, I just want to revisit that that world again because, I mean, as I said, I didn't really play that much. So I didn't really have time to explore all of it. So uh, I'm taking that time now. Back in the day, what army did you used to play? Dwarves. At dwarves and then I did like a Bretonia army as well. A small one. I think we all dreamed about starting a Bretonia army. Or maybe it's just me. You like looked at those beautiful knights and all the peasant levies and were like, I'm going to start that army. But it was so hard to get into, at least for me. Yeah, I used to love the the lore of the Bretonia. Like it's just a perfect fucking fantasy army, and uh, like you get a good sense of the characters and you can really like feel their motivation. Because it's kind of always been hard for me with the other races in like both uh, 40k and fantasy to uh, like get into the character of like Eldar or elves or shit. So it's nice to have like humans that you can relate to a lot and build a story around. We have Christopher, right? Signing off from the Varangian Heresy podcast regularly. Christopher, what arm do you play in the past tense and the current tense? Well, as I said, yes, I am Christopher from uh, the Varangian Heresy podcast, where I usually might be a bit more bitter about everything. 
but uh, we got Niklas on this one for the, that. But I used to play a lot of dwarves, and uh, I played dark elves, which was a nice uh, bit of change from each other whenever you got bored of each, bored of them. And uh, I can't really say why. I really like the dwarves because uh, they're unyielding. They are the their entire focus and reason for living can be summed up with drinking and annoying other people. And uh, Dark Elves like uh, a bit more kinky stuff, so you never know. And yeah, they're very, bit... very different than the way they play as well. So as yeah. you say, you can get a lot of... Like when you get tired of just sending and shooting people with shit, and you can actually advance with stuff like cavalry yeah, one, and monsters and stuff. One is a shield wall, and one is uh, attacking from every way they want, basically. Yeah, Dark Elves were pretty much an elitist army. Everyone was good at their thing and really good at it. Were they like expensive as well? Or you guys are gonna have to educate me on this. Did they cost a lot per point per model, or were they just like innately good at stuff? No, they were pretty balanced. But uh, you had specialized units, and if that unit died, you lost that specialization. That's why I kind of. That's what one of my loves for Warhammer Fantasy, because, like Nicholas said, and then Christopher tied into. All of the old armies had a very clear raison d'etre to how you played them, and they also had a very strong fluff background. So you rarely had someone pick up an army without having it as a passion project. You very rarely saw someone like playing elves without getting fully committed to the reasoning of the elves, unless they played to win. But maybe that was something that happened a lot in Warhammer Fantasy. I didn't experience it a lot tying into it. Jimmy, did you play a lot of people who played only to win? I played a lot of people who played to win uh, as I was in the tournament scene uh, during the 7th edition quite a lot. And Dark Elves were quite popular. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Fantasy had a lot of people actually who like were really into the rule side of the game more than the lore. But I mean, it's kind of a game that uh, kind of fits well in uh, that you get really because you can't really do that many tricks in the game as you can in like 40k where you can move the models more freely. It was more like uh, combining different special rules together to make you really strong units. There wasn't, like, you couldn't game in the game so much. It was more gaming the, the army building. I don't know if you may agree, so he's the one who played the most. Well, I mostly played for fun, but yeah, uh, as you say, <laughs> how you play the game uh, is, is really up to, to you. And uh, if you really want to have a good competitive game and still have a flair to it you you just use units that that well they cover each other's weaknesses and you mix out those special rules that makes them so good together it is like in fantasy you have to think a lot more about like army composition than in 40k or 30k because in those games it feels like if you have a good unit then it's, it's going to be able to take care of you itself you just have multiple of those good units, then you can take care of anything. Well, in fantasy, you have a lot more focus on like making a line and having strong points in certain points of that line and being able to cover other units. Everyone can do everything. Yeah, exactly. And the most important phase is the movement phase. I think the fact that you declare charges in the movement phase as well really ties into that because you need to think about the cohesiveness of the way your army is going to move. Because to me, it feels like, and again, I haven't played a game in a long, long time. If you want to make a move or a charge or a last-minute gamble, you're going to have to premeditate that pretty early in the game. 
because I don't know about the rest of you, but in 30K and 40K, sometimes I've had like a wild swings where a unit runs over half of the board and survives and charges into the final turn. And I don't know if that happens a lot in Warhammer Fantasy. Does it, Jimmy? Jimmy, it seems to have gone away. Uh, I would say that in Fantasy that you kind of have a plan for where you want your unit to go. And then when you get to that point, it kind of makes or breaks the game. So uh, sometimes it happens that your unit just does extremely well and goes to the other player inside of the table and smashes even more dicks. But uh, <laughs> I think it was more like fixed to uh, getting your unit from one point to another. Positioning is the key word to everything in fantasy. So, Jimmy, do you want to go walk us through your extensive history of Warhammer Fantasy Love? Well, I, uh, I started with Warhammer 40k back in early for 2001, and this was my gateway drug to Warhammer Fantasy Battles. <laughs> every, every nerd at school played Warhammer Fantasy Battles, and I was a lonely 40k guy. I was pushed around so much by those guys. But eventually, I bought myself some orcs and goblins because, yay, I love to fight, so war. And uh, eventually, this led to my love for horde armies in uh, Warhammer Fantasy. So I have a big love for orcs and goblins, and I also have skavens. That make you a horde monger? Uh, it uh... certainly does make me a horde monger. <laughs> and uh, I've been playing uh, on and off during all the years and old editions and uh, well uh, since Age of Sigmar came I still stuck with my square bases and played some games every other year and I mean <laughs> that sort of ties in to one of the reasons we started podcast because I think it speaks true for all of us that the more we lock, looked into playing old hammer and we talked to our old friends and people who still had their armies there is a genuine interest among people to like bring out their armies dust it off paint it to the level of painting you're probably advanced to by now and just roll dice with your friends. I mean, the more we look into it, the more we find people still painting square bases, playing old hammer, middle hammer, having a genuine love for the game, the lore and the models. Because like Nicholas said, over the course of 20 to 30 years, GW managed to build an extremely extravagant, amazing adventurous world, both for role-playing books, their tremendous black library backlog, as well as the actual army books and the compositions. You have things where, obviously, like the Beastmen, who took uh, inspiration for, I think, Oletana from a different game system, and then they developed and made it completely their own. Just the elf-dwarf divide, which is a very Tolkien-esque, like, ancient thing, they managed to turn into one of their own thing. And I think we've all heard about the War of the Beard. And I mean, the war of vengeance, <laughs> the war of vengeance. And I mean, the decision that GW did about blowing up the old world, I said we shouldn't go into ragging on Age of Sigmar. But to me, from business sense, I can see what they revamped the game. But it's so, so strange to me that they chose to get rid of the old world because it was such a rich tapestry and backdrop on which you could make amazing stories. So before we get down a rabbit hole here, could we get a bit of your background then, Christopher? I'll talk about myself. I've never. Uh, well, okay, basically, like Jimmy said, uh, I started with fantasy, I think, in the early 2000s, just when I started high school, gymnasiet. Uh, I met a new group of friends who were really into Warhammer Fantasy. Everybody I started playing with had been playing fantasy since like middle school when we were 10 and 11. So I went into the closest GW with them and we played a lot of Mordheim and stuff. So I had like one or two KS models, a couple of Marauders. 
So I went into GW and I picked up the first army book that I found really, truly compelling and obviously had to do with badass vampires. <laughs> to my great shame, and I sort of own that now, I loved vampires back in high school. Uh, I played a lot of White Wolf games. I read, uh, I read Bram Stoker and Anne Rice. I'm not proud about the latter, but the former I stand by. Uh, so I picked up vampire accounts. Go through a copious amount of glitters. Oh, I actually read one of the Twilight books just so I could rag on it, and they are—they're just no, no, they're—they're they're God. Yeah. Anyway, so I picked up vampire accounts, and I bought one of those. I mean, it's 2001. The game was amazing. I went to a, to a GW store. I bought like a skeleton box. So I think I got around 40 bo- skeletons out of that box. And when I bought my Warhammer book codex, it even said. This is what you can do with your skeleton box to get way more skeletons out of it than we estimated. So he gave me a bunch of conversion tips. So I think I played those vampire accounts fairly extensively for three or four years until I had to do my mandatory military service. And when I came out of it, like most of my friends had moved on to Warhammer 40k, which would have been 5th edition back then. So I only got in the odd game every now and again. But... Uh, I sold all of that around 2014 when something cataclysmic happened to the hobby. Uh, like in Rage, I think I just took all of it and put it up on the Swedish eBay, which I really regret now because I have a genuine passion for the old like 6th edition vampire count models. For those of you who don't know, in 6th edition you could choose a bloodline you wanted your vampires to come from. You could have like the seductive female vampires, or you could have the wise and old magician vampires, or you could have Christopher Lee come into my castle and rest friend armies, which is von Karstein. So that's what I came from. I mostly played against the dwarfs, uh, the empire, and high elves. So if you hear me have a tremendous disdain for high elves, it probably comes from my extensive experience of getting my ass kicked with their always strikes first and negating all my magic. So mostly classic elves, classic elf stuff. Uh, mostly the, more time and the information you carried over to thirty k. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, yeah. The same guy who played high elves also played Eldar. That's all you need to know about him. <laughs> <laughs> His defense was always like, I remember, I've been friends with him for like two and a half decades, and he's like, well, I've played Eldar for such a long time that, you know, I didn't jump on any bandwagon. I didn't jump on him because they were good. And I keep telling him, like, but you've been winning almost nonstop for 15 years. You can't tell me you didn't jump on the bandwagon. You've just been on the bandwagon of winning for so long. <laughs> you don't even care anymore. That's what I'm from. Yeah, well, it was a good fucking background, like, or others sound like, yeah, you kind of story game. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, putting us to shame here. <laughs> There's no shame. I mean, like I said, I talk a lot, but obviously, Nicholas has a tremendous passion for the stuff he can paint very well. Uh, Jimmy and Christopher are tremendous painters and converters, and they have a genuine passion and knowledge about the lore. Uh, to me, I'm probably going to be the least knowledgeable when it comes to at least the lore and playing games, because I haven't played consecutive games since 2002. Which is also, I believe, when Nicholas was born. So, I mean, my knowledge about the hobby is very, very limited. <laughs> it's not true, guys. <laughs> it seems like, uh, like a lot of people and has now have, like, people still haven't gotten over the fact that the Age of Sigmar happened. Now, like, the second edition of Age of Sigmar is coming, and people are like, yeah, I guess they're not bringing it back now. They're fully committed to fucking flying squids and turtles and stuff. But, uh, yeah. It's like people have also realized that uh, 
even though the game is not supported anymore. At least I realized it. Even though the game isn't supported anymore, the models are still there and all the rules are still there. And you can start playing it if you want. Because that's what I did with Battlefield Gothic as well. Because that game has been dead for a long time. And then people were like, yo, let's try this game. And nothing is stopping you from getting some models because there's still a bunch of models around. And then you're painting them up and having fun with your friends because the rules are still there. I think that's something we're realizing the more we look into it, that all you really need is an old rule book and two army books and your old armies, and you can go play again. Like Nicholas said, it's like Battlefield Gothic. I think also for the point of clarification, we should probably mention right now, what we're going to talk about mostly in this podcast is Warhammer Fantasy Battles up to 8th edition. And none of us played the new fan-released 9th edition age. Not because it's worse or inherently something we're not interested in, it's just we haven't looked at it. Or maybe I haven't. I mean, Jimmy seems like a world... He seems like a very cosmopolitan guy. He's probably played it. I have never played it, and I never will. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. I, I had a look at it uh, before Lincoln, which was a convention here in Sweden about a month and a half ago. And when I saw that the uh, community really didn't require you to actually have models properly, I just walked out the door and never turned back, so to speak. I mean, that yeah, I, also... I looked at it as well, but you just felt so... Like devoid of character compared to like all the old army books. Like well, just when I was scrolling through the army book, so like these guys are interested in like having a really balanced tournament game, but not so much about the character of the old world, which is the main point of why I would make an army. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a balanced tournament game and play that, but it's not just what we are about. I agree. Perfect. That's a perfect statement. And again, we're not going to rag too much on other game system, but obviously we have a love for the old world. So that's probably going to shine through. If you came to this podcast and you're thinking, well, they're probably going to talk about Age of Sigmar because I'm interested in that and I have genuine passion. We may talk of it, but not necessarily in a positive manner. We're going to use a lot of nouns and adjectives. At least for me, I have I really love the old sculpts. If you leave a comment on our podcast page that says, I love Warhammer Fantasy, but they stole so much from Warcraft, I will find you and I will hurt you because that's not how anything works. Yeah, I think HC Mar stole more from Warcraft though. So yeah, you were talking about like old sculpts. Like that's also like a really cool thing to get into to try and find like really old models and do something with. Which is something I've noticed, uh, especially with uh, Chaos Dwarves. Uh, and also I've always been a fan of... Uh, metal miniatures okay i've always liked painting those more than painting plastic because you have this is a different detail you can do with it and there's something so, to the heft of the model too right like when you hold yeah. it and play it and paint yeah. with it there's something very different yeah like when you hold your fucking general and he's heavier than other dudes it feels like it's more important another thing i want to point out is that i've met all three of you some of you more than others and I mean, you guys are really skilled painters and converters. And I think at least I've gotten better since 2001. And that's also something we're carrying with us. I don't know about you. To me, there's a general allure of taking the old models I have or used to have and painting them with techniques I've accrued and learned over the years. And to me, that's fun because I, I see people, and I guess this shines through from the Harrison community, you see people play, play and paint with awesomely painted shit on beautiful terrain. And that incites you to as well want to repaint and do it better. Like I own an airbrush now. I never used to do it back in the day. Back in the day, if I painted 40 skeletons, I hand painted them black. Then I dry brushed them with screaming skull. And then I maybe did the metals. 
we did. I don't even know if there was shades back in two thousand and one. Probably, I never owned one. Well, you had the inks, if nothing else. So the inks were quite glossy. Yeah, they had inks, black ink and chestnut ink were quite fabulous to work with. Yeah, really. And you had the green ink, which was lovely if you wanted to mess something up with green. So that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast: majorly old hammer and the beauty of sculpts. And also maybe how you can find them. Uh, also, we have good news for you. If you ever want to play Warhammer Fantasy Battles and you live in Sweden and you're super interested in high elves, I have good news for you. Because you cannot leave the house without tripping on someone selling high elves. I don't know. Oh, God. Yeah, what's that about? I'm sorry to sound like Jerry Seinfeld, but why is everyone selling high elves everywhere? And no one's buying them. There's no one ever buys them. It's almost like if you are interested in Warhammer Fantasy Battles, landing at one of the airports in Sweden, you will get complimentary hiles. Welcome to Sweden. Here are some Phoenix Guards and a Griffon. Welcome. Please play our game. I don't know why. Yeah, it's weird. I just want to say also, like, uh, with uh, carrying on your skills and uh, painting your, like, old models to a new standard, because we're all members of the, like, the 30K community as well. And because, like, especially, like, those people are more into painting up stuff and having fully painted armies and it makes the game so much better if like both players are on the same level both in fluff and the history of the old world and like, having painted armies they're up to standard so really uh, ties into the immersion it, of the game yeah and now we're looking at like fantasy players before and they're not really that strict from what i've seen like people are okay with pain, playing with unpainted stuff it's like us like the the, the new wave coming now with the fantasy players, we're going to have like, a bit higher painting standards. Like Everything should be painted. Hopefully everyone will see this as a historical game, as Horus Heresy is a historical game. Yeah, exactly. Is it, I mean, it is an historical game, I guess. It is an historical Just like game. the Horus Heresy, it has a beginning and an end, and you're playing within a story and not a setting. Exactly. In the old army books at least i can only speak for war like vampire accounts and my friend's empire they gave you all the tools you needed to make your own character i mean if you want to make a vampire you could very clearly choose what is from what is about you could choose magical items that tied into like his personal armory you could choose if he mainly conveyed with people from graveyards like crypts which are ghoul eating man flesh seeking monsters or racing skeletons or zombies uh, for the Empire, you could choose what part you're from, what livery you have, the heraldry. You have all the tools you need to make your own character. For that now, reason, you know, which, god, which god you were wor- worshipping, because knightly orders each had a different god, basically. And that influenced your army. And I mean, they're all facets of Nagash, but that's not your fault. Okay, I'm not cutting out this in the edit. This silence will stay in. Yeah, are we getting a hashtag shamed silence? But anyway, like I know that everybody here is using Instagram, so we're painting our models and we're using it up on the name of the podcast for the hashtag. So you're gonna find a lot of old hammer. Also, if you want to find out more about the old hammer painting, you can check out hashtag old hammer or a hashtag the old world lives. Uh, just putting up like my own measly painted skeletons, I found that there, there are a lot of people painting all over the world and there is a community still alive. I mean, just in Sweden, I think we found like three or four communities playing Old Hammer. And I know Nicholas found some in England already. Yeah. It's spreading. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there, but it seems like um, they're their own small groups and uh, you can't really 
find them just nice that's also like a thing about the podcast it's made made to create a community where people can gather around like if we our, our facebook page that people can use right there like hey i want to play does anyone else want to play and if they also listen to the podcast then can hit each other up and start playing Except definitely we're going to find a uh, old hammer equivalent to dudes seeking for dudes I think my skeleton-based one always be boning when it comes to painting skeleton isn't really going to work there. So we'll, we'll find something out. But like Nicholas said... Don't go on the internet and Google that. No, you really we shouldn't. Should make it. We should really make a Warhammer version of Tinder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's kind of what Instagram is, though, isn't it? Yeah. We're all thinking, if people use we're, we're all thinking about a witty joke here, right? About hammers. Maybe it's me. But we're going to have the Facebook site and we're going to have a bunch of other venues. So if you want to play Old Hammer games, we will try to help sort you out. I know if you want to play Old Hammer in Stockholm, I will probably be able to help you out fairly soonly. We have a club that I keep shouting out every time. We have SLG in Gamla Stan, where we play. And I know that in Javle, Jimmy, you guys play a lot, right? Well, we play a lot of Mordheim. Uh, not so much Warm Fantasy yet. That's the operative word, though. Yet. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're based in London, then definitely hit me up because I just moved here and I'm keen to play. I was waiting for you, Chris. You're going to be too like, yeah, and if you want to play in... Well, if I wanted to play, I probably have to go to Stockholm because I know fuck all over here. <laughs> we'll take care of you. No worries. You're safe. So, should we perhaps start to round this off and maybe mention what we're going to do going forward in the next few episodes, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, we, we're still obviously developing this, but something we've spoken about going with within the podcast group and hopefully to engage the community as a whole is we're going to start up a Border Prince campaign. Chris, Jimmy, do you guys want to go through what like base, just the basic idea of what a Border Prince campaign is? Well, uh, the Border Princess is a region within the Warhammer world. It lies south to the, well, what is the old world uh, where the Empire, Britannia, and other, uh, well, places are. Uh, the Border Princess is a place where kingdoms rises and falls on a regular basis, and it's a good, is in, and it has a really good geographical position for every race in the game to be there. And yeah, that also yeah, comes in really nicely because right south of the border princess is the badlands which is full of orcs and goblins and everything that you don't want to have come visiting and there's also several dwarven holds they're easy access for basically every race that we could find that we are want to play to have a reason to be there in that campaign as well with that in mind what we're going to do is we're going to start up a slow grow campaign and I know you guys show me awesome rules for it, which basically have a limitation on the number of non-core units you have, that is special and rares, the number of magic points allowance you're allowed per character, as well as the number of wizards that you're allowed to have in your army. Because some magic-heavy armies, like, say, the undead, might have an unfair advantage if you play, say, a thousand points and I'm allowed to take as many wizards as one. We're also going to be talking a lot about how to make terrain because I, again, this is based on my own personal experience, but back in the day when we played Warhammer Fantasy Battles, we had very little terrain on the table because you wanted your big, large concentrations, of course, in the middle of the board, you're just charging forward. 
But again, this is the Badlands. There are going to be train pieces. We'll have shrubbery. We'll have old buildings. Obviously, cinematographic scenarios where you're going to search for ruins. So that's something we're going to talk to about. I know that both Chris and Jimmy are tremendously good at it. We're also going to have specific army-based introductions and scenarios. We might have guests. That depends entirely on people liking the other participants on the podcast and wanting to participate despite me being here. So we might have that. So basically, this is an introduction episode. Anyone else? Yeah, well, well said. I think it's always going to be a bit awkward, like the first episode when you just, what are we actually going to talk about? And then the other episodes will actually have prepared themes for. Uh, I know that we're going to have some episodes where we introduce like our factions that we're going to be playing and why we like them and like the story behind them. Yeah, and that will also include uh, background for the army and stuff because we want to make this a little bit richer experience than just having, yeah, I'm going to play this and this is what I have. The why, the background and all of that is really needed because that's why we're interested in this setting at all, after all. Indeed. And also, eventually, like I mentioned before, this will be merged into a more time podcast. You you can't stop it. You just can't. <laughs> I'll tempt us away. There probably I mean, will be some War Master and maybe Man of War as well then. Yeah, I'm thinking everything old world. Um, yeah. We'll share our like, role-playing experiences as well. Because the fucking old world role-playing games are so good. I mean, we all we have a tremendous love for the old world. All systems included. So we're going to be talking about everything that centers around it. The stories, the characters, the colorfulness. We're going to have army intros and why you should play them. And if you have any questions about the old world or just like, why the hell are you guys doing this? Send them on in. I mean, like everything else, it's a community-driven interaction. So if you want to know stuff, you want inspiration, just send it over. Just one Speaking thing. of yeah. send, sending anything in, don't go through <laughs> some uh, contact details <laughs> right yes. at the end here. Yeah, definitely write in, like whatever uh, you want to talk about, whatever old world. Like if you yeah. just, you're also interested in it, just say hello. Uh, if you're looking for some people, then just write it. Uh, just the more stuff we get in, the, the more excited we will be to do more episodes. Like share your experiences from the old world. What drove you in? What made you quit? If you're still playing out there and you have experiences shared, just send it over. We love to talk to you and talk about the old world because old world fever spreads easily. I mean, basically all of us decided to get an interest in the old world simultaneously and that's how we got together. So a quick rundown. Then. Uh, the Facebook page is at the old world lives, Instagram at the old world lives, and the email address is theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And thanks, Chris, for setting all that up. I am a technological Luddite. I'm sitting here with my like my spinning Jenny and my torchlight, so I have no idea how anything works. All right. Do we have anything um, more to talk about? Well, no, actually, what's so. everybody we... working on? Maybe that's something I'm we should talk about. I'm uh, working on a command for my... All right. uh, did I even say that I'm going to play Chaos Wars? And I'm doing a Hobgoblin command, Hobgoblin archers, and I'm also painting up my last rocket launcher team and uh, waiting for my health cannon. The Chaos Wars have this really cool aesthetic because you use slave goblins, right? Because you're like an elite infantry army and you use slaves to fight for you. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I think it's really cool. Yeah, and also... Green and free! Green and free! <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of like the old Gorka Morka team. That uh, Gretchen revolutionary, whatever his name was. Oh, I gotta love him. (laughs) But I mean, the hobgoblins are more like helots. Like they have like a living symbiosis with the the cast horse because they're treated better than the the other green skin sites. That's because they are traitors to the other green skins. That's why. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's a really cool army. No, no, no green, no green violence in this chat, okay? But just as a question, Nicholas, you said you have rocket launchers in a fantasy setting? Yeah, is such fire, a thing even possible? Fire freaking fireworks, demonically possessed fireworks out of a freaking tube. So cool. It's a hell of a sales pitch. Uh, oh, sorry. I can mention what I'm working on. I'm working on goblins, goblins, and goblins. I'm actually working <laughs> on night goblins for my sixth edition fantasy army, and I'm working on goblins for my Mordheim project right now. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna write my own warband. Actually, I have some guys uh, playtest it since there are no common goblin warband, only forest goblins and night goblin warbands, and I want the common goblins, the plain living goblins. <laughs> So, uh, Christopher, what's on your work. table? <laughs> right now, I have in front of me 28 skeletons, as well as a blood dragon vampire. Uh, the blood dragons are a knightly order of elite vampires who basically go around the world, and they improve mankind by fighting the best of them. They believe that the curse of a vampire is merely a temptation that a warrior must overcome to become better. So you have this cool little guy here in pewter on my desk who I've sprayed black and he's screaming like a cursed demon with a magical sword and man I look forward to doing him. I think I'm going to experiment a bit with the GW technical metallic paints so I'm going to try and give him like an ornate ruby similar armor. So I'm just going to paint him gold and then I'm going to give him like a red overcast. If it looks good I'm going to put it on the Facebook side definitely and if it looks like crap I'm going to put him up anyway to shame myself to do better work. Then you're just going to put them in paint stripper, you mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the best thing about these old metal models. If you fuck up, just put them in paint stripper. Do it again. How about you, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, really slogging through a unit of uh, dwarf thunderers. They started to look, look, look really nice, but I realized that I might have had to paint on more details that were actually on the models themselves from the beginning. So, yeah, they will be up on uh, whatever medium I chose to communicate them with soon enough. So. Good. Also, I am now introducing a formal currency for this podcast. I'm going to start referring to things in the cost of one high elf battalion, which the price is now <laughs> 250 Swedish kroners. So, so like 20 pounds. Yeah, 20 pounds. So if that ever comes into play, just, you know, H-E-B, that's our new currency for the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to do my pay negotiation in that. So that's what's going on right now. And that's going to be like the point of this podcast. Anyone else want to add anything? I'm all good. I'm fine. I was thinking we should round this off and uh, get to work on a more structured episode to follow this one. So. <laughs> that sounds like a brilliant idea. Oh, yeah. That's that. Thanks for listening and thanks for coming. They, there will be more and there will be a lot of badass, greater stuff. If you have anything you want to tell us about points of improvement or personal questions or issues you want to make, just send us a message. And also, always remember, the old world lives. Time may have ended, and the realm of elves, dwarf, and man shattered. But in our hearts, the old world liveth. <laughs>